sermon from Garden City Methodist Church. We want to invite you to worship with us each Sunday at 10.30 a.m., either in person or online. You can come to our beautiful sanctuary at 62 Varnado Avenue, Garden City, Georgia, or you can worship with us online as we stream our services at GardenCityUMC.com. All right. It's good to be back in the pulpit again. I was out for two weeks, and uh, I kept having this problem in the middle of the week where like, I'd wake up on Saturday for the past couple Saturdays and think, I forgot to write a sermon. Um, I didn't have to write a sermon. So uh, I'm excited to be back with you. Uh, today we're going to talk about the story of Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. Let's read it together. He entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he was trying to see who Jesus, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He's gone to the guest of one who's a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone or anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So Zacchaeus' story is funny to me, because it kind of follows the tenor of a healing story for Jesus. But nobody gets healed, right? It's kind of like a story where Jesus encounters a sick person and that sick person does something to get to Jesus and then Jesus heals them because of their faith. But instead of healing Zacchaeus, he just went to Jesus' house. Or he went to Zacchaeus' house. But I want to submit to you that Jesus did perform a miracle in this story. You see, Zacchaeus was profoundly disconnected from the other people in the city of Jericho. He was a Jew, he was a son of Abraham, and yet he was a pariah. And Jesus did something that connected him back to his people. Jesus may not have performed a medical miracle for Zacchaeus, but I believe that he performed a social miracle for Zacchaeus. And y'all, I think that today, we in the American church are in need of a social miracle as well. We live in a time of disconnection. Zacchaeus was profoundly disconnected because of his work. He was the chief tax collector in Jericho. Now, the Romans didn't have an IRS. They didn't have agents that came and made sure you paid the right amount. 
as long as Caesar got his taxes, the collectors could take whatever else they wanted. They kind of had a mafia-like system for tax collectors. So these tax collectors would come by and say, that's an awfully nice vineyard you've got there. Be a shame if something happened to it. Why don't you give me your taxes and actually a little bit on top? So I'm going to send off some Caesar and I'm going to take my cut too. Tax collectors basically robbed folks on top of what they gave to Caesar. Think about, you remember that old uh, Robin Hood cartoon, the sheriff of Nottingham came along and just shook everybody down for taxes. That is how the, the people of Israel felt about tax collectors. And it was even worse if the tax collectors were one of your own. They were sellouts. They were turncoats. They were on the side of Caesar taking from me. And so they didn't, they didn't um, like tax collectors. And that's putting it mildly. They rejected tax collectors. And they, they identified tax collectors so thoroughly with Rome, so thoroughly with the Gentiles, they wouldn't go eat at their houses because they'd be worried that they're not going to serve kosher food. You can't trust them to, to follow the rules because they are in league with Caesar. They're in league with the Gentiles, not with us. There's this little funny little meme that goes around on the internet sometimes. Um, they'll show a video of someone cooking food and they'll like touch raw chicken and then go and touch vegetables and then you know they'll they'll do something that's just very safe or unsanitary and then a guy they'll show a clip of a guy that goes up there and they say you can't eat at everybody's house that's how they felt about tax collectors you can't eat at everybody's house you can't eat at the tax collector's house because you never know how he's handling his food you never know what you might get served there and it probably is not going to be kosher i don't think it was Zacchaeus's height that was preventing him from getting to Jesus, I think it was his profound unlikability. You know, if you're short, you can kind of make your way to the front of a crowd just like anybody else. But he was in the back of the crowd and couldn't see over their heads because nobody was going to let him through to see Jesus because they hated him so much. That's why he had to climb the tree. His height prevented him from seeing over people's heads, but it didn't prevent him from getting to the front. Yeah, his, his hate, his general dislikeness kept him from getting to the front. But you know, Zacchaeus wasn't the only one who was profoundly disconnected. You see, the people were disconnected from him. He was a son of Abraham. He was their brother. He was their cousin. He was, he was one of them. And yet, they treated him like he wasn't. They didn't know what they were missing out on by continuing to exclude Zacchaeus, by continuing to, to keep Zacchaeus at the back of the crowd. And... I'm like, he was rich. He had a bunch of money. They, he could have been helping them out this whole time. But he didn't because of this profound disconnection that they had. 
I think you and I live in a time of profound disconnection. We need a social healing from Jesus. We live in a time where school shootings are just, they happen a lot. And, and you get into the, the reasons why people commit these horrible acts. And you find out that a lot of times there are these young guys that just feel rejected and disconnected. And so they get online and they get in these communities of other people that feel the same way. And they encourage these violent feelings and violent behaviors. And they get radicalized and their resentments grow and then they go out and do something horrible. But it's the, the, if they were connected into their systems, if they were felt connected in their families and at their schools, they, they wouldn't have sought these communities out. And even if we're not that bad off, we exist in tribes that barely ever reach outside. You used to be able to go and to fit in in places where people were different from you. And that's becoming increasingly untrue. And with the advent of social media, our social relationships have become a mile wide, but an inch deep. We interact with a lot of people, but we don't really get to know them and we don't really get known by them. And so it becomes easy once our connections are wide but not very deep to just cut people off. I don't really need this person. I can just unfriend them and never talk to them again. I've got a million other people that I can talk to. So people get ghosted. And it's like our, our outer false selves are more connected than they've ever been. But our inner true selves remain lonely and aching to be really seen. Zacchaeus had a problem of profound disconnectedness. And you and I and our society at large has this tendency toward disconnectedness as well. But the thing that Zacchaeus did that got him Reconnected or gave him a chance to be reconnected was tangible repentance. I love that Zacchaeus didn't just say, well, you know, I'll do better from now on. No, he said, listen, I, straight off, I'm getting half of everything I own to the poor. And if I've done wrong against somebody, I will give them four times as much back. Think about that. Think about how much that cost Zacchaeus. But it was his repentance. It was his way of saying, I know that I messed up. I know that I've prioritized the priorities of Rome and of greed over my fellow human beings in my town. And I'm sorry, and I'm going to do better in the future, but I'm going to do better right now. I'm going to repent. His repentance wasn't just a change of mind. It was an action that he did that people benefited from that day. Jesus, Zacchaeus gave a tangible repentance, a way of repenting that mattered to people around him. But you know what? Jesus modeled what the community's tangible repentance would have looked like. 
right? Jesus was a model that said, people of Jericho, if you want to repent from your rejection of Zacchaeus, you got to actually got to go to his house and get to know him. You've got to accept him. You don't have to, you don't need to just have a willingness to think nice thoughts about him or work on your attitude toward him. You've got to actually put your money where your mouth is and go to his house and make sure he knows that he is a son of Abraham. Make sure that he knows that just because he's messed up, his identity as a child of God has remained intact. I think what happens with us and what had happened with Zacchaeus up until this point is that they were in a repentance standoff. I'm not going to accept you. I'm not going to recognize you as my family member until you stop taking from us and giving it to Rome. And Zacchaeus said, well, I'm not going to stop bringing in my money until you do something about it and, and start accepting me a little more. There's in this repentance standoff. And how often do we get in a repentance standoff with other people? Well, I'm not going to change until they change. And then the other person doesn't want to change until I change. I'll start listening to them once they start listening to me. What about ism is a death to true connection and true repentance? Because as long as I'm worried about what you're doing wrong, as long as I'm worrying about what about what they said, I'm not focusing on how I can repent, how I can be connected with Jesus, how I can love my neighbor think about this. Zacchaeus gave back half of his money and made a commitment to give back even more before he knew whether or not it would work for him. He gave back before he knew whether or not people would accept him again. He did it because it was the right thing to do. Likewise, Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house and accepted him and ate with him before he knew it would work. Before he knew whether or not Zacchaeus would actually repent. Jesus broke the cycle of the repentance standoff by accepting Zacchaeus whether or not he changed. And then Zacchaeus kept it up by giving back to the people whether or not they changed. And that is how Jesus accomplished this social miracle. What would it look like for us if we offered tangible repentance before we knew whether or not it would work? What if we started loving our neighbors without waiting for them to make the first move? What if we looked at people that were different from us, people that we don't agree with, people that are doing wrong things and said, you know what? I'm going to your house today. I'm going to love you whether you change or not. What might happen? What might God accomplish in our town, in our community, in our families if we broke the cycle of the repentance standoff and were the first ones to move and the first ones to repent and the first ones to love? How might God move if we were to do that? Because 
the unity that God accomplished in Jericho when the son of Abraham received a social healing did not happen because people were able to get along with each other. The unity that happened was accomplished through Jesus. Right, the people in Jericho could not get Zacchaeus to repent. No amount of exclusion, no amount of, of keeping him away, no amount of moralizing or disconnecting or punishing Zacchaeus worked for them. They didn't get a single cent from Zacchaeus that way. But when Jesus got involved, not only did Zacchaeus get the connection that he wanted, the people got the restitution that they needed. It's such an ironic thing that they kept him away from Jesus. I wonder if they knew what was going to happen. If they knew that Zacchaeus was going to give half of his stuff away to the poor and make restitution for the money that he stole, I wonder if they would have pushed him toward Jesus rather than keeping him to the back of the crowd. It's so ironic that the, the one thing that was keeping them away from the money that they wanted back from Zacchaeus was the very thing that they were trying to keep him away from. And he had to climb the tree to get himself in. They should have picked him up and pushed him to the front and got him to Jesus sooner if they really wanted back from Zacchaeus. The people of Jericho were standing in their own way, were shooting themselves in the foot by keeping Zacchaeus away from Jesus. I think in the world we live in today, it might be impossible to achieve true unity on our own, through our own strength, on our own merit. But nothing is impossible with Jesus. See, we learned this little thing in, the, in math class called the transitive property. If A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C, right? If I'm united with Jesus and you're united with Jesus, then we're united with each other. So even if we don't agree on a single thing, except that Jesus is Lord, then we can be united with each other because we're both united to Jesus. Unity comes through Jesus Christ, and it's pretty much the only way in our world today it's going to come. And we're shooting ourselves in the foot by remaining disconnected with people that are different from us. In his book called Jesus and the Disinherited, Howard Thurman describes this problem. He, he talks about how we've, we've formed churches around likeness. You know, you've got the idea that people want to worship with other people that are like them. And so we have churches that are specifically kind of poor churches that the poor go to. And then you've got rich churches that the rich go to. And you've got churches along racial lines. You've got Asian churches and black churches and white churches. And, and we, we gravitate toward people that are like us in our worship. You've got churches that are specifically uh, organized around addiction for people that are addicts. And, and these churches, each individually, are doing good work. But he describes this kind of disconnection as a betrayal of the religion of Jesus almost beyond redemption. 
He says the result is that in the one place in which normal free contacts might be most naturally established, the one place in which the relationships of the individual to his God should take priority over the chief, over the conditions of class, race, power, status, wealth, or the like, this place is one of the chief instruments for guaranteeing barriers. The church ought to be the one place in which we are united in Jesus more than anything else. And so we ought to be making relationships across class lines, across status lines, across race lines, across all the different kinds of lines because we're all united in Jesus. But instead, we've siphoned ourselves away into little pockets of likeness where we don't have to make relationships across any of those lines. We ought to be united together through Jesus, but instead we kept ourselves artificially separated. And it's us that hurts. We're the ones that are shooting ourselves in the foot. Think of the blessings that could come when we unite with the Zacchaeuses in our world. Our healing, our social healing will come when we seek out Jesus first and welcome other people who want to do the same, even if they don't have it all figured out yet. Even if they don't look like we do, vote like we do, think like we do, and act like we do. If you are seeking out Jesus and I'm seeking out Jesus, then we ought to be able to join hand in hand and figure out the rest. Even if they haven't repented yet in the ways that we want them to repent. Because guess what? I haven't repented yet in all the ways I need to repent. I don't even know of all the ways I need to repent. And if we wait until people have it figured out before we accept them into the family of Jesus, then nobody's ever going to get accepted in the family of Jesus because none of us have it all figured out. So how do we do this? How do we unite through Jesus? I think we need to, to fight against the forces of our culture that tell us that a person has to pass some kind of ideological litmus test before we can love and accept them. And instead, love the people that are in front of us unconditionally. Connect with the people around you, even if they're different than you. We can keep our wide connections through social media if we want to, but we need to make sure that we are forming in-person, real, deep connections with people around us that go beyond the surface level. Get known by somebody and get to know somebody deeply. Because the gospel is about God's love for each person. And we are shooting ourselves in the foot as a church when we remain disconnected to others. We're the ones who are suffering. So today, I think God is calling us to some tangible repentance, like Zacchaeus did. Who is God calling you to connect with today? Who is it that we write off or stick up our noses at that we need to give a second chance? Who is that person that we think is just ruining things for everybody that we need to reach out and love? 
Who can we invite to get to know Jesus by accepting them? How can we radically repent of our sins of pride and isolation and start to get to know people on a deeper level for the sake of Jesus? I know that I've got a few people in mind that I need to connect with, and I hope you do as well. So let's practice being a church that looks out for the people that are feeling disconnected and invites them in with radical acceptance. Who knows? We might reach out to one of those young men that would be protect, practically dangerous, and, and we could save lives by being a connected church, by loving and accepting people that are disconnected. Who knows? But I look forward to what God's going to do like he did in Jericho. Let's go to God in prayer. God, we had confessed that the one place where we ought to make, be making connections because of our unity through Jesus has been one of the places in which we've siphoned ourselves away into corners of likeness. God, it's not just our church. It's, it's the whole church in America. We, we all do it. God, I pray that you will give us the grace to be healed of the ways in which we're disconnected. Inspire us to move first in repentance, not to be in a standoff with other people. Give us the grace to love so that we can see what happens, what you do when we're willing to do that. God, Inspire us to generosity. Inspire us to acceptance. Inspire us to love. Inspire us to want more of you. For the sake of our neighbors and for the sake of our own souls. In your name I pray. Amen.